Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. And I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. You know, do you lay awake at night wondering if you're going to have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. Because this topic is so huge, pre-retirement, I have the honor of inviting some amazing guests that know a lot of information that's going to help you get that fabulous future. And today, my special guest is Tom Hegna. Now, he's the president of TomHegna.com. He was the former vice president for New York Life and originally from Glenwood, Minnesota. He attended North Dakota State University and on an Army ROTC scholarship and graduated with honors. He was commissioned to the U.S. Army, spent six years on active duty and another 16 and a half in the U.S. Army Reserve and retired as a lieutenant colonel in 2006. In 1988, Tom started his career in the insurance industry with MetLife and he qualified for membership in the Million Dollar Roundtable. Each of his first years, he has gained a lot of notability, and then he joined New York Life and was promoted to the vice president in March 2006, and first vice president in March 2010. In August 2011, he started TomHagna.com and now speaks for numerous companies all over the world. He's the author of the book, Paychecks to Paychecks, and resides in Fountain Hills, Arizona. I am so excited to to have you on the show, Tom. I Your bio is so long, I'm just going to skip it to get to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you. Really. I'm really happy to have you here. And You know, you have such wonderful information and experience that you can share with our listeners, you know, about topics that you really don't hear a lot on mainstream TV or radio, and so we're just going to pick your brain and learn a whole lot today. So, well, let's, yeah, I appreciate it. Let's go. All right, all right. So, how do you retire the right way with the, with economic and scientific facts, and you know the way everything's happening right now? Yeah. So, Chris, look, uh, retirement's been studied in depth by PhDs like Dr. David Babel of Wharton. Dr. Moshe Malevsky of Toronto, Dr. Menachem Yari of Israel. Today there was an article from a, a Nobel Peace Prize winning economist, Robert Merton. And and the, the facts are clear on how to retire the right way. There is an optimal way to retire. And see, the problem is right now, if your listeners ask 50 different financial advisors how they should retire, they're going to get 50 different opinions of what to do. Right. Well, the research shows there are not 50 optimal ways to retire. There's really one optimal way to retire, and that's what I lay out in the book, Paychecks and playchecks. It's really the math and science behind the successful retirement. And, and you know, as we discuss it, I'll, I'll share with your listeners very simple steps they can take to ensure that they have an optimal retirement. Right. That's great. You know, I think I um, AARP did that study, and it said 63% of people were more scared of running out of monies and death. That just shocked me, really. Well, and because it's it's all changed. For our parents, our parents had pensions and, 
So they worked for a company for 30 years. The company held a party. They presented them with a gold watch and then a guaranteed paycheck every month for the rest of their lives. So our parents had a very different retirement than what we're going to have. You know, most people don't have that pension. And without some guaranteed lifetime income, you're going to live a retirement full of worry. But you don't have to because there are ways you can secure guaranteed lifetime income. And, and your retirement is, is really all about income. That's kind of the bottom line. It's all about income. Right. You know, what happened, whatever happened to happen happily ever after? Yeah, I mean that that's part that that's the first chapter of my book. Whatever happened to happily ever after, you know, because <laughs> you you'd work for a company for thirty years and then hold a party, they'd present you with a watch and they'd give you a guaranteed paycheck for the rest of your life so that you could live happily ever after. Well what happened to that deal? Well now only nineteen percent of Americans have a pension, that guaranteed paycheck for life, and sixteen of the nineteen are government workers. So really today unless you work for the government, you probably don't have nor ever will have that guaranteed paycheck for life. And that's happening right when there's 78 million baby boomers heading into retirement, a time when people need guaranteed lifetime income more than ever, and most of them don't have it. Add to the fact that they're living longer. The average 65-year-old male will live to be age 85. The average uh, 65-year-old woman will live, live to be age 88. But what's the problem with averages? See, what the problem with averages, that has nothing to determine how long you are going to live. Uh, half of your listeners are going to live longer than those numbers anyway. The life expectancy is really not an average. It's a midpoint. And all life expectancy means is that half of the 65-year-old men will die prior to age 85. Well, what about the other half? Half of the 65-year-old women will die prior to age 88. What about the other half? They're all still alive. And so because people are living longer and longer, you've really got to plan to have income to age 100 and beyond. Right. You know, the, the income solutions, right, you know, the couple's... That that like my dad is ninety four and a half, and yep. and I I see way more eighties and ninety years, and that wasn't in the plan. They didn't have the income set up. You know, people really have no idea that they even need to think about income. You know, and this has really been a challenge. Maybe you can just help me, Tom. How do you inspire people? I mean, the younger people are going to really be in trouble. I mean. And and we're, there's sort of this, well, you know, you're never going to die reality or something is when you're young, you don't even think you're going to get old. How do you inspire people to take action? Well, look, I mean, nobody else is going to take care of you. You've got to take care of yourself. And, and so for the young people listening, if you're in your 20s and 30s, I say it's the money you save in your 20s that will allow you to retire in your 60s. And if, if you've got people who are not saving in their 20s, I can tell you right now they're not going to be able to retire in their 60s. Because you need the time value of money that the, the you know that money doubles over time, and and you've got to you've got to be uh, very aggressive in your savings rate. You know, ten percent. We all, all grew up that you know said you should give ten percent to charity. You should right. save ten percent and then live on the other eighty percent. Well, that doesn't work anymore. You can't make it on saving ten percent because in a one percent interest rate environment, it takes seventy two years for your money to double. So wow. in this low interest rate environment. The young people have to be saving 15, and if they can, 20%. And for those, for those people approaching retirement, they should be trying to increase that to 25%. Once the kids are out of the nest, you need to boost your savings up to 25%. So people are way under saving. That's one of the problems, right? So we've right. got to get them to save more. And the young people need to invest in the market. They need to be in a place where they can earn, you know, 7, 8, 10, 12%. And you can still do that over time. 
if you're in real estate and in the markets, all right? But older people, those rules don't apply. And so for once you get into your 50s and 60s and 70s, those same stock market rules that worked in your 20s no longer work because of this order of returns phenomenon that we could, that we could discuss if you want to. But, yeah, but really, yeah. you, as you get closer to retirement, you have to put more of that money into guaranteed investments and guaranteed lifetime income. And that's so, you know, people just don't know that you have to retire differently than the way you accumulated it. And they might have had a stockbroker that did a great job for them in the accumulation phase. But if they follow those same rules in retirement, they're going to run out of money. And they, so people don't understand that, that there's a difference between the accumulation and the distribution phase. Right, right. You know, U.S. Today did that study, right, with a 50% of boomers thing that they can take out 10% out and yeah. other money. What's, you know, what do you think about that? Never well, I mean, that's, that's in the book. You know, the Met, Met Life in USA Today did a study, and they found that 50% of baby boomers think they can take out 10% a year. Well, all you're going to do is run out of money real fast. You can't even take out 4% a year anymore. Uh, the Wall Street Journal said goodbye to the 4% rule. Morningstar oh. now says it's 2.8%. So what does that mean? That means if you want $28,000 a year of income, how much money do you need? You need a million bucks. I mean, I tell people all the time, I ask them all the time, how many million are you going to need? I, I don't think most people understand what this low interest rate environment has done to their retirement. They need to save more, and they need to they need to buy guaranteed lifetime income because of these mortality credits and some of the things that we can discuss. There are products on the market that will guarantee you'll never run out of money, and that's where people need to be looking. And you know that is so shocking because it, this, these products really the the skeleton of them have been around since the Middle Ages, and how come nobody knows about this? This seems well, so and, buried. And, and you know what's so funny is all the academics, like anybody who studied retirement, all the PhDs, these Nobel Peace Prize winners, they all say, here's the optimal way to retire, but nobody talks about it in the media. And, no, and so what I did with Paychecks and Playchecks was I went into all the academic research of, of how somebody really should retire and why, and I put that into simple, easy-to-understand English in the book Paychecks and Playchecks, and that's what I do. I go around the country now. I don't sell any products. I'm a speaker, and I'm an author, and I get hired to speak for companies all around the world, to train their employees, to train their uh, financial advisors, and train their clients on how to retire the optimal way. You know, and, and there are really four simple steps, and we can get into those four simple steps whenever you want. Yeah, let's let's get into those four simple steps. That sounds great. Okay, so so everybody thinks retirement's so complicated. Well, you know what? The more I studied retirement, the simpler and simpler and simpler it gets. In fact, I can. Keep your, your, the success of your retirement is going to depend on your answers to these two questions. Then I'll get into the four simple steps. And I'm not going to ask you how big your 401k is. Do you have an expensive house? Do you drive a fancy car? The first concept I want to make clear is this. The success of your retirement is not about your assets. See, this is a paradigm shift, Chris, because we're always taught you've got to accumulate more and you've got to have a bigger 401k and you've got to save more. And all that's important, but it's not about your assets because your assets can be lost. They can be stolen. They can be swindled. They can be sued. They can be divorced. They can be decimated in the market crash. See, the ultimate success of your retirement is really going to be dependent on your answers to these two questions. Question number one, how much guaranteed lifetime income do you have? And question number two, have you taken the key risks off the table? See, that's it. It's all about income, and I would argue guaranteed lifetime income, and risk management. If you take the risks off the table and you've got sufficient income, 
to age 100 and beyond and increasing income to take one of the risks of inflation off the table, you're going to be just fine in retirement. But if you do not have sufficient income and if you have not taken the risks off the table, you are not going to have a successful retirement. That's what the math and science shows. That's not my opinion. That's what all the research shows. And so here, here are the four simple steps. Step number one, you want to cover your basic expenses with guaranteed lifetime income. Now, guaranteed lifetime income includes Social Security. It includes pension. But whatever you're short, you need to buy a lifetime income annuity that you can buy from an insurance company. So really, step one, you're planning for your retirement. You've got to figure out how much money you need to live every month. Then you can subtract out your Social Security, subtract out if you get a pension, whatever that shortfall is. That's where the annuity fits, okay? That is not where stocks fit. That is not where bonds fit. That is not where real estate fits. That's where the annuity fits, to cover basic expenses in retirement. But here's why. It's because you take five key risks off the table. You take longevity risk off the table because it's a guaranteed paycheck no matter how long you live. And, Chris, I would argue most people don't talk about longevity risk. Right. I, you know, I do these seminars, and I say, could you imagine in your wildest dreams that in the next 10 years, science develops a pill that could cure most forms of cancer. Could that happen? Yeah. I think it could. Could they yeah. develop a pill that would cure heart disease? I think it could. And I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying medical technology is developing so rapidly that it would not be unheard of for people to live to be 105, 110, 115, 120. Right. You know, Prudential took out a billboard outside of Manhattan that says this, the first person to live to 150 is alive today. Think about that. The first person to live to 150 is alive today. So people are going to live longer. And if you don't have some form of guaranteed lifetime income, you're likely going to run out of money because most of these brokers out there are using these Monte Carlo simulations that use age 90 as their base point. Well, age 90 already fails 63% of the time. How many percent of the time is it going to fail if people live to be 105, 110? So covering your basic expenses takes longevity risk off the table. It takes deflation risk off the table, and people don't talk about deflation, but we can talk about that in an economic discussion. Um, it takes market risk, order of return risk, and withdrawal rate risk off the table. So just by covering your basic expenses with guaranteed lifetime income, you take five key risks off the table. Step wow. number two, right. you want to optimize the rest of the portfolio to protect against inflation because the inflation can wipe out step number one. And so you do need to invest some money in the market. You do need to have some real estate holdings or some commodities because you want to have some investments that if we get inflation, the portfolio goes up. And when the portfolio goes up, what should you do? You should take some profits and buy more income. And so you can ladder your income over time to give yourself increasing income or you could pull you know, income off of the portfolio if you want to. All right? mm -hmm. Step number three, you must have a plan for long-term care. See, Chris, long-term care is the one thing most people forget about that can wipe out their entire life's work. Right. And, and many people say, well, Tom, long-term care insurance is too expensive. Here's what I say. If you think long-term care insurance is expensive, you ought to try not having it. See, not having it will wipe out your entire retirement. So you've got to have a plan. And, and Chris, as you know, there are many products now. You don't just have to buy a long-term care insurance policy. There's life insurance policies that have long-term care benefits. There are even annuities. I saw one that, that, that if you take it out, if it's paying you know, $3,000 a month, that if you need long-term care, it doubles it to 6000 a month. Well, that right. could be a, a miracle for some people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And then step number four, 
is the most efficient way to pass your wealth when you die to your children, grandchildren, and charities is with life insurance. See, Chris, you've, you've been on appointments. People say this. They'll say, well, Tom, I got this $200,000 sitting over here in this account. Now, we're not planning on touching it, but then when Mabel and I kick off, that's going to go to the kids. Well, what are they doing? They're holding $200,000 to transfer $200,000. That's inefficient. They could have taken 50000 bought a $200,000 life insurance policy that goes to the kids. What could they have done with the rest of their money? They could have spent it. You see, if, if they follow these four simple steps, your listeners will get the most from the least. And guess what most listeners need right now? They haven't saved enough money. We're in a low interest rate environment. The market's uncertain. Iraq and Iran are having a big fight. We're blowing up right in our face. You know what people need? They need to get the most from the least. And these four simple steps are backed in math and science. It's not just somebody's opinion. And so that's kind of how I try to keep it simple for people. It's really about income and risk management. Beautiful, Tom. Wow, you said that. So awesome. That is so clear. And, and you know, a lot of people, there's just so much to wrap around. Like, there's a big bunch of people feel like the bottom is going to fall out any minute. And what do you think about that? That's the way that well, look. so uncertain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, if you go through the centuries, there's been uncertainty. I mean, uh, ever since the Romans and the Greeks were fighting and all, I mean, there's always uncertainty. But you can't live your life that way. What, you, what you've got to do is you've got to say, look, yes, we printed a bunch of money. Some people are concerned about that. Well, I can argue that, you know, not only are we not going to have inflation, we're going to have potentially deflation. So let me kind of give you the counter to all these people who say, oh, gloom and doom, we printed all this money, yeah. we're going to have hyperinflation. Well, I'm an right. economics guy, okay? I get it. When you print money, every time you print a dollar, the value of all the other dollars goes down. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. But we don't work in a vacuum, and we're not the only ones printing money. And printing money alone doesn't cause inflation. See, if you study inflation, it's the supply of money times the velocity of money that equals inflation. And so our, our supply of money has skyrocketed, which in normal times would be inflation or hyperinflation, but I argue these are not normal times, um, and, and printing money alone doesn't cause inflation. You need money velocity. Well, there's no money velocity. See, you could print $5 trillion tomorrow, and if you dug a big hole and buried it, there'd be no inflation. Well, what's happened is we printed these trillions of dollars, but it's almost like we dug a big hole and buried it. That money is just sitting on bank balance sheets. It's not moving through the economy. So you are not going to see any inflation until you see money velocity. Besides that, there are several deflationary pressures. The first, as I look around the world, and this, this is information your listeners are not getting on the evening news, but this is the way I see the world. When I look at the world, number one, I see record global government debt. Governments around the world are in debt over $52 trillion. I mean, just our country is in debt over $17 trillion, and our debt is climbing at 2 to $3 billion every day. Right. You had our state and local government, and we've got probably half of that $52 trillion just in America. But guess what? We're not the only ones in debt, and we're not the only ones printing. Europe's in debt, and Europe's printing. Greece is insolvent. Greece will never be able to pay off their debt. I tell people, if you're, if you're concerned about Greece, look at Japan. Japan has far higher debt to GDP than Greece, and Greece is insolvent. What does that make Japan? I would argue insolvent. And Japan's printing money faster than we are. China's in debt. China's printing. So, Chris, here's my question. How does our printing match up with their printing and 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 their printing? And their printing? See, I can't figure that one out. Somebody smarter than me is going to have to figure that out. But I'll just tell you, the math doesn't add up well. So the second thing I see is 
when, when you're in debt, eventually you have to get out of debt. That's called deleveraging. Well, there's going to have to be massive government deleveraging. How do governments get out of debt? They typically raise taxes and cut spending. What happens to economies when you raise taxes, cut spending? It's not inflationary. It's deflationary. So you've got $52 trillion of debt that's going to have to be deleveraged, which is going to be massive tax increases and cutting of spending around the world. Growth could very well go negative. That's deflation. The third big D, Chris, is demographics. We're getting old. Europe is old. Japan is very, very old. See, Japan sells more adult diapers than baby diapers. <laughs> Think about it. And then China's going to get old before they get rich. So what happens economically when you get old? Your spending goes off a cliff. If I ask you right now, how much money do your grandparents spend? Nothing. Well, that's going to be you in 30 years. So what happened is we got these 78 million baby boomers that have been spending money, more money and more money every day for the last 50 years. Well, guess what? They're now over the hill. They're over age 50. What happens at age 50? The kids move out, at least for a couple months, and your spending goes off a cliff. And after age 50, you're going to spend less and less and less every year for the rest of your life. So we've got this record global government debt. We've got massive deleveraging that's going to have to happen. It's just math. And you've got the demographics of the world that say we are going to be facing decades of deflationary pressures, not inflationary pressures. So I get it. We printed a ton of money, which is normally inflationary, but there's no money velocity, and you've got these deflationary pressures. So, you know, look, I can't predict the future better than anybody else. My advice, watch the bond market. The bond market predicts the future every single day. And if we look at the U.S. government bond market, the 30-year bond is paying 3.41. What does that tell you the bond market thinks the odds of any inflation over the next 30 years is? Eh. You would not lock your money up for 30 years at 3.41 if there was no if there's going to be inflation or hyperinflation. So that's my view of the world. It's different than what your listeners are going to get on the evening news. No, I, I totally, that totally makes sense, and I, that was a beautiful explanation. Um, and I, I believe in what you're saying is actually absolutely accurate. Now, nobody really knows how it's all going to come about, but, but when, you're, when people are looking at, okay, this the value of the dollar is going to go down. They're going to have one unit of something, and it's either going to be in the stock market, an insurance product, or a bank. And there's so much insurance products that really aren't talked about on mainstream, like these income, equity index annuities and income. Yep. Um, maybe you could describe those products. Well, okay, so so here's the deal. When when, when economic times are tough, when if, if we would face deflationary pressures in a, in a low interest rate environment, you know what is king? Cash is king. But you know what's even king over cash? Cash flow is king. And so what you want to do in uncertain times like this is you want to lock in some good cash flow, okay? And so you can look at cash flow. I mean, you could buy bonds that are paying 1% or 2%. You could buy CDs that are paying less than 1%. Or you can buy some of these annuity products that are guaranteed at 6, 7, 8, 9% based on your age. So the older you are, the higher your payout rate. Now, those aren't interest rates. Those are cash flow rates. Those are payout rates. But those payout rates include principal, interest, and a, a thing that you don't get from anybody else, which is these mortality credits. I almost like to call them longevity credits. It's almost like a bonus for living longer. So a 75-year-old is going to have a higher guaranteed payout rate than a 65-year-old. An 85-year-old will have even a higher payout rate than that. So the older you are and the longer you live, the more of these mortality credits you get paid. And so these are kind of some of the secret sauce products that are out there 
that the mainstream media really is not doing a good job, but all the academics, all the PhDs know about them, but, but the mainstream press doesn't talk about them. Right. Right, and and I believe you're not even allowed to tell people the interest rates. Like if you went on CNN, are you allowed to say you can get seven percent compounded on an annuity? Do they stop? Well, that? again, I'm not talking about interest rates. I'm talking about the payout rates, the guaranteed payout rates, which is the guaranteed income rates. And I mean, those are you can go into immediateannuities.com and you can find out what they are. Um, so I. I it, I think you can't overpromise an interest rate, but I'm not talking interest rates. Mm-hmm. See, with with a lifetime income annuity, the insurance company doesn't set the interest rate. The client does by how long they live. See, I can't tell you what your interest rate is till you tell me when you're going to die. If you want a higher interest rate, live longer. If you want a higher interest rate than that, live longer than that. So the thing I love about some of these products is that the client gets to set their own interest rate. The insurance company doesn't set it. They set the payout rate. And so, you know, there's a lot of different products out there, but that's why I think somebody has to, you have to have a financial professional. This is not a do-it-yourself project. I mean, if I got a cavity in my mouth, I do not go out to the garage and try to find the right drill bit to drill into my teeth. And I tell people all the time, your retirement is so much more important than a cavity. And yet you go to a professional to get your cavity repaired, but you're going to try to do your retirement by yourself. I don't even do my retirement by myself. Look, I do this for a living. I train people on this, but I hire a professional. You know why? Because I don't know which company has which product on which day. I don't follow that. I know, I know in general exactly how I want to retire. Guaranteed lifetime income, optimized portfolio. But as far as the specific company, the specific product, the specific features of that product, I can't, I don't keep track of all that. Right. That's what the financial professionals keep track of. So even me, I use a financial professional. I can't do it myself. I don't even try. Right, right. You know, it, and it's fascinating because the, the, the paycheck that you'll never outlive, the people really don't understand how that works. How can the insurance company guarantee paying them, they're going to actually pay them for the rest of their life, a guaranteed income, correct? Yeah, okay, so here's how it works. Let's say all of your listeners are listening right now. Here's a fact. The insurance company knows that half of your listeners are going to die before the other half. That's a fact. They just don't know who's on which side of that line. <laughs> but because of that, they can pay all of your listeners a higher payout rate because they know they're really only going to have to pay it to half the people because half the people are going to die before the other half of the people. And that's just kind of another form of these mortality credits, which are the secret sauce. You know, it's it's like the opposite of life insurance. You know, how can an insurance company, you write a check to an insurance company for 50 bucks, you buy a million-dollar term policy, you walk out their door, you step in front of a bus, and you get hit by a bus, and the insurance company pays a million-dollar death claim. Now, how could they afford to pay a million-dollar death claim and you only wrote one check for 40 or 50 bucks? It's because they know not many people are going to step in front of the bus. You see, it's those same, it's those same insurance companies that can pay a 90-year-old person 20% a year for the rest of their life. It, and so it's, it's, the, it's the value of the pool, the risk pool, and, and that when you pool your money with a bunch of other people, you can do things that you cannot do individually. Like you couldn't buy an investment that will you put 50 bucks in it, and if you die, you'll pay a million dollars. There's no other investment that will do that, but an insurance policy will. It's the same with lifetime income. There's no other place you can put your money that will guarantee you a paycheck for the rest of your life at these high payout rates. 
How can they do that? Because they pool the money with thousands of other people, and it's all actuarially done. It's based on math and science. And that's why only a lifetime income annuity can do what it does, and only life insurance can do what it does. There's no other product that can replace either one of those two. And again, academics know this, but the general public doesn't because nobody's talking about this, but I am. And I wrote books. I've written several books on it now. I'm so glad you're talking about it. And, you know, a lot of people will will push back and say, well, it's not FDIC insured. How about that? Mm. <laughs> I love that one. I got that one in my book. You can just go to the Paychex Place if you can read it. I say, so here's what I say. If FDIC insurance is really important to you, all right, first thing we should do is we should go to the website, www.fdic.gov.gov, and you'll find that there's a teeny, weeny amount of FDIC insurance to protect trillions of dollars in investment. There's not enough FDIC insurance to protect Bank of America or Wells Fargo or Citigroup or Chase or any one major bank in America. So what I tell people is this. If you think FDIC insurance is so important, then what you ought to do is buy your CDs from the smallest, weakest banks in America. And they go, smallest, weakest banks? What are you talking about? And I say, well, the way I got it figured is if the economy turns and banks start failing, the smallest, weakest ones will fail first, and you might have a shot at some of that FDIC insurance. <laughs> Otherwise, what I would want to do is stick to a financially strong organization, like many of the insurance companies are some of the strongest financial institutions in the world. You've got to put your money someplace. You bury it in the, hole, in the ground, there's risk. It might rot from the rain. The dog might dig it up. You put it on your mattress. Your house might burn down. There's risk everywhere. Right. Stick with the strongest financial institutions in the world, and you're going to be just fine. Isn't it true that they actually, not one person lost $1 in annuity in the Great Depression? Yeah, well, not one person has lost one penny in an annuity that's in the payout phase ever. So, like, you know, once you buy an annuity, if it starts paying you income, nobody's ever not gotten their income uh, from their annuity. So, you know, the banks, they failed in, in, in the 1920s, okay? People lost money to put their money in the banks. That's why they developed FDIC insurance to give people the confidence to invest in the banks. And FDIC insurance is there. It's provided by the government. It does provide confidence to people. But don't overly rely on it. I mean, get educated on it. Go to the website. Read about it. See how comfortable you feel after you read about it. Otherwise, stick to the strongest financial institutions in the world. Right, right. And, you know, people are scared of money. It seems like there's so much emotion around money. And, I mean, everybody goes to school, learns how to make money, gets out of school, makes money, and then what do they do? They have no idea what to do with that money. They usually go to a broker they don't usually like, and they gamble their money, right? And then, yeah, see, and then I, that's know, an, it's crazy. That's another thing that's so nice about income is once you have guaranteed lifetime income, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, the day you die, all your money's staying down here. It's not your money. You're in control of the money right now, but it's not your money. The day you die, it stays down here. And so money's really only good for two things. You either spend it or you give it. That's what you do with money. If you're retired, you're either going to spend it or you're going to give it to somebody. So why don't you do those two things in the most efficient way? To spend it, you set up guaranteed lifetime income where you get these mortality credits, this extra money that you don't get from other investments, and you use that money to spend. And then you buy life insurance for pennies on the dollar to give to your kids, to give to charity. Those two things are the most efficient way to use your money. 
But people say, oh, I, I want to hold on to my money. It's all mine. It's all mine. It's all mine. Well, those are the people who run out of money. You know why? Because they're out of control with their risks. So they live too long or they take out too much money or they, or they make a mistake in the stock market or they need long-term care and they're wiped out. They have not taken care of the risks and they lose all their money. So, you know, you, you can be, have a lot more peace of mind if you know you're going to have guaranteed income for the rest of your life and then you choose ahead of time to give a specific amount of money. One of the first things that we did is my wife and I sat down and we said, okay, how much should we give to our kids? We want to give them something. We don't want to give them too much because if you give them too much, it ruins their life. You see these trust babies and they don't have any life. They live off their parents or grandparents. You don't want that for your kids either. So you want to give them something to help them, but you don't want to hurt them by giving them too much. So you decide how much money you want to give to your kids and you buy life insurance to give to your kids because you can do that for pennies on a dollar. Guess what that frees you up to do with all your other money? Now you can spend it. So now you can take life only or joint life only on some of these annuities, and you can get the maximum income to spend because you've already given it with life insurance. Now there'll be some other money left over, the house, the cars, you know, some investment accounts, but my wife and I do not live our lives worrying about leaving money to the kids. We're going to go on the cruises and, and do the things we want to do. Right. Enjoy your retirement, right? See, Chris, the truth is today, most people don't enjoy their retirement fully. And you all, you, you know people like this. And your listeners, they got oh, neighbors yeah. like this. They're in their 60s, their 70s. They got money. They don't even spend it. Look, when I was an advisor, I used to bust my clients. I used to say, wait a minute now. You told me when you retired, you're going to join the country club. You're going to buy a new boat. You're going to go on a cruise. You're going to see the world. Have you done that yet? You know, most people say, no, they haven't done that yet. You know Why? Just in case. It's a bad world out there, just in case. So here's what happens. They don't touch their money, and they don't touch their money, and they don't touch their money, and they don't touch their money. Well, then what happens? Oh, they die. Then what happens to money? Close to the kids. What do they do with it? They join the country club. They buy a new boat. They go on a cruise, and they see the world. No, that's what happens. Right. I tell people, why are you doing this? I want you to go on the cruise. I want you to buy, join the country club. I want you to enjoy it. This is your retirement. You don't owe your kids one penny of your IRA or 401k. Not one time were you putting money in that 401k. Say, boy, they're going this going to the kids. Oh, another one going to the kids. Another one going to the kids. No, you were saving that for your retirement. So enjoy it. Wow. You know, people just do not spend their money because they're afraid of running out of money. So then they live a just-in-case retirement. They die and all their money goes to the kids. It's not the efficient way to retire. So that's why I try to lay this out. And again, this is not my opinion, Chris. This is the math and science behind a successful retirement. Right, right. And and so you and your wife actually just sat down and said, okay, we're going to leave our kids, you know, this amount, and then you yep. got life insurance. Got life insurance, paid it all off, it's done, it's paid, and that goes to them. And, and now we get to spend everything went, else. Oh, my goodness, that is brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant, everybody listening. you got to check this out. You're listening to Ready, Set, Retire and nobody knows retirement planning better than Tom Hagner. Tom is the author of the best-selling book, Paychecks and Playchecks, Retirement Solutions for Life, which has sold over 45,000 copies all over the world and number one uh, bestseller for two years. I can see why. And the former vice president for New York Life, on and on. Tom, this is great information. Maybe um, hey, this is complicated to a lot of people about debt. The leveraging and demographics. What does that mean? What's all that about? Yeah, so so you know, it's like we talked. There's this record global government debt, 
that over time is going to have to be deleveraged. People, you know, the government's got to get out of debt. They're going to raise taxes. They're going to cut spending. And then everybody's getting older. We're getting older. Europe's getting older. Japan's getting older. And so with this debt deleveraging and demographics, there's going to be deflationary pressures, not inflationary pressures. But let, let me let me talk about long-term care just a little more for, for just a, just a reason. That's where I was going. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, so you know, the odds of your house burning down between now and the day you die are less than three out of 100. But all your listeners have homeowner's insurance. The odds of you totaling your car between now and the day you die are about 18 out of 100. Everybody's got automobile insurance. But the odds of you needing long-term care between now and the day you die are over 72 out of 100. And I'll bet money a bunch of your listeners do not have a plan for long-term care. You know, it's the one thing they forget about that can wipe out their entire life's work. And people give all kinds of ridiculous, uh, you know, objections or excuses when I talk to them. They say, well, my wife will take care of me. I say, okay, sir, that's fine. Then I need you to lay down right here. Now, ma'am, I need you to pick him up and carry him downstairs and put him in the car. And she'll say, well, I can't do that. Well, if you can't do that when you're 67, how the heck are you going to do that when you're 87? That's long-term care. I also tell people, do you realize what happens to to the life expectancy of caregivers at home? Life expectancy of caregivers plunges. Do you know what happens to the incidence of depression? It skyrockets. Oh, that's what you want for your family, a lower life expectancy and increased depression. I always tell people, long-term care is not about you. It is not about you. It is about your family. You know, um... I just I hear all these things, you know, it's too expensive. Well, I, I give people homework, so I, I'll give your listeners a homework assignment. Here's what I'd like them to do. Sometime in the next 30 to 45 days, just stop by any assisted living facility or, or long-term care facility and go in and find a family and ask them two simple questions. Number one, how's this working out financially? And question number two, are all the brothers and sisters getting along? You know what you're going to find out, Chris? Number one, it's not working out financially. And number two, there are brothers and sisters listening to this show right now who are not talking to brothers and sisters somewhere else in the country because what happened to mom or what happened to dad and somebody didn't do their fair share. Long-term care rips families apart. And there are solutions, and you know, not just long-term care insurance, but life insurance that has long-term care writer. And that annuity I was telling you about, I think American Equity has something like that where where you can get a, an income payment of two or 3000 a month, and if you need long-term care, it doubles. Right. Well, and, and I believe that product, you do not even have to be medically underwritten. There's like a, there's like a deter, there's like a um, exclusion period of two or three years that it can't kick in for two or three or four years or whatever that is. Right. But once that happens, it can kick in. Well, that could be a miracle for some people who know they're likely to need long-term care, but they can't qualify for a policy right now. Right. You know, it's so shocking because all of that were really, really was just numbers, and I talked to a lot of people about it, the depth of that until it happened in my own family. And my mom came up and handed me this paper, and she says, I want you to share this with your clients. And it was a bill from Stanford Hospital for five days of chemo, which mm-hmm. was $90,000. Yeah. You know, and people don't and she had chemo five days a month, every month for a year. Yeah. And, you know, her caregiver was $15,000 a month. People yeah. don't get, get that. I mean, it's... Well, I'm I'm living it right now with, with oh. both of my parents, and um, and we're going through these things right now. And so if people think it's not going to happen to them, I've got news for you. It's going to. It's going to happen yeah. to husband or wife. It is likely that it's going to happen to one of them. Um, yeah. And if it doesn't, then thank goodness you didn't need it. You, you planned around it. 
but you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan for long-term care because people just don't, and it wipes them out. And so I'm, I'm adamant that no retirement plan is complete without a plan for long-term care. Amen. I'm telling you. I mean, there's nothing like, you know, well, when my after my mom went to heaven, then my dad's going, well, you know, I'm never going to a nursing home. But, of course, he falls, breaks his femur oh. bone, and there he's in a nursing home. And it yeah. really doesn't matter how fancy they are. I mean, a Marriott, $500 a day, you ring the bell to go to the bathroom, you still wait 20 minutes. Yeah. Disgusting. Really disgusting. But the cost is just not in people. There's some, like, a denial that you think that anything is ever going to happen to you. Like even my parents, they were not candidates for long-term care. My dad worked in the gym at 80 years old. He was in the gym. Yeah. My mom had cancer in her 70s, and they still ended up there. Well, and it's because with longevity, you know, the longer you live, eventually you'll have to go. I mean, if if, you, if you're good in your 80s, then you're kind of not. You're going to need it in your 90s. If you're good in right. your 90s, you're going to need it when you're 100. It's just a fact of life that yeah. you know. And and people say, well, I, I'm going to kill myself. Look, the, the nursing home is full of people who said they were going to kill themselves <laughs> because they all forgot. They forgot they said it. And they I'm just telling you, they forgot they said. My my parents don't even remember what they had for breakfast this morning. I'm serious, oh, and so so so, so what what happens is, you know, that you've got to have a plan, and right. and denial denial is not a plan, and saying it's not going to happen to you is not a plan, saying you're not going to need it is not a plan, and this right. is something you need to get in your 40s and 50s because look, if you wait till you're 60 or 70, you can't buy long term care. You have to qualify for it. How do you qualify for it with your health? And today is the healthiest day of the rest of your life. You've got to get it today. And if you're listening to this and you do not have a long-term care plan, you need it today. You need to call. And you need to do right. something because it, it's, it's not going to go away. And, you know, as soon as you have a medical condition that, that, that denies you any more coverage for it, then, that, then it's too late. But, you know, still may not be too late with one of those annuity products that can double if you need it. But people don't know it exists. See, right. people don't even know these products exist. Right. And that's that's what that's what you're doing with these radio shows and that's what I do when I speak around the country is I at least tell people, Hey, there are solutions. You don't have to worry. You know, I got a I got a public T V special coming and I hope your listeners watch in December. It's called Don't Worry, Retire Happy with Tom Hegman. It's gonna be nationwide on public television. And I'm gonna lay out simple steps to retire successfully. Great. Well we'll make sure we'll blast that out to all our listeners and make sure you send yeah. us that information and we'll help promote it because I totally am, um, that's my mission is to get this information out because millions of people are about to go off a cliff and yep. nobody's telling them safe money strategies. They, they all want you to gamble your money, risk your money and all of that and it's just a lie. It doesn't work anymore. And We're in a new world. I mean, don't you think, I mean, my dad's days was, you know, you risk your money, make money and 20 years will come back, right? But now we're in another world, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and, and see, all that still works if you're 20 and 30. You have time yeah. to, to go the ups and downs. But if you're 55 or 60, you don't. See, everybody, we were always taught that the older you are, the the the, the more conservative you should invest. See, I was taught that 80-year-olds should invest their money more conservative than 60-year-olds, and 60-year-olds should invest their money more conservative than 40-year-olds. And I'm sure that's what you were taught. That's what most of your listeners were taught. But that's not true. Now the riskiest time of your life is right before or right after retirement. So it's the five or six years right before retirement and the five or six years right after retirement that's the riskiest time in your life. So now the riskiest time in your life is when you're 57 or 67. 
And because of that, you need to invest appropriately when you're 57 or 67. You need to put guarantees in your portfolio. You know, we, we, we always thought that, oh, when you're 50, 60, you've got 30 years, you can still invest aggressively. No, you cannot. Because if you lose money right before or right after retirement, that can devastate your retirement. You've got to have guarantees. And that's where this guaranteed lifetime income comes in. And the guarantees that, you know, insurance-type products can give you, the annuity products uh, can give you that other products can't. You've got right. to have some guarantees. Right. That is, boy, that is such a good point, you know, because that's what I've seen. I mean, over, you know, 20, 23 years and over 5,000 clients, they come in and they start planning at 65 or 70. Yes. Yeah. It, but the lifetime income annuity really is a guaranteed paycheck. It's just like uh, Social Security, right? Well, Social Security is a lifetime. Life. Yeah, Social Security is a lifetime income annuity, and, and pension is a lifetime income annuity. That's why I always get a kick out of people say, I don't like annuities. You know, so right. he says annuities are bad. Ken says annuities are bad. Dave says annuities are bad. I don't like annuities. And I said, I can prove to every person I know and every person you know loves their lifetime income annuities. I mean, the Social Security Administration receives millions of phone calls every year. They never get this one. Would you stop sending me those checks? I'm getting sick and tired of it. They're filling up my mailbox. They never get that call. You know, the insurance companies get, get hundreds of thousands of service center calls every year. They never get this one. Would you stop sending me those annuity payments? They're just too reliable. They're too dependable. They come on the same day of every month. They never get those calls. You see, people love guaranteed paychecks for life and guaranteed paychecks for life or lifetime income annuities. So I think there's just an educational process that has right. to happen. And if people would read the academics, like I tell people, don't believe me. Do your due diligence on me. I put all the references in paychecks and playchecks. They can read what Dr. David Babel of Warden writes. They can read what Dr. Moshe Malevsky of Toronto writes. They can read what the Nobel Peace Prize winner um, in, in economics, Robert C. Merton, was in the papers today saying it's, it's not about assets. It's about income, income, income. And he's trying to fight to put that when, on 401Ks, when they give you your statement every year, they, they shouldn't just say your balance is 342000 They should tell you that this, this means you will get an income of $14,000 a year for the rest of your life. So the people understand that 340000 sounds like a lot of money. It's not. In this low interest rate environment, it's not. And you need to transfer it into income. And we need to talk about income and not assets because it's not about assets. It's all about income. Beautiful. Right, exactly. You know, it used to be a million dollars was a lot of, a lot of money. But, you know, when yeah. I watch my folks go through several million just in that not having long-term care insurance. Yeah. Well, a million dollars today... At at 3.8%, and that's high, okay, would be $38,000 a year. That is the max anybody can think a million dollars is. So a million dollars at max is 38000 and Morningstar says it's 28000 So think about that in two ways. Number one, for your retirement, and number two, for you, the amount of life insurance you carry. See, a lot of people think, well, I carry a million dollars of life insurance. That's a lot of money. Oh, really? That's $38,000 a year for your family. Can your family live on $38,000 a year? See, I would argue you need at least a million dollars of life insurance for every $50,000 of income. So if somebody's making $250,000 a year, if they do not have $5 million worth of life insurance, they are underinsured. I, I tell a story about a widow in Arizona. Um, she met with me, and she wanted to talk to me because she knew I didn't sell any products, but I knew this stuff, and so she wanted to talk to me, and I said, well, okay. So I met with the widow and the dad and the brother, and she was 47 years of age, two little girls, husband killed unexpectedly. She had a million-dollar death claim. And, you know, after I gave my condolences, she said these words. She said, Tom, I never thought I'd be a millionaire. 
Now, here's what I want to do. I want to build a custom house on a lake with a place for my daughters to play. I don't want a cookie-cutter house. My husband didn't like cookie-cutter houses. I had to stop her mid-sentence and say, ma'am, time out. We're not talking about any custom houses here. A million dollars in the 1% interest rate environment is $10,000 a year. I'm here to talk to you with what you're going to do with $10,000 a year. Now, maybe you can get 20, maybe 30, maybe 35, maybe 38, but every expert I know says you can't take out 4%. 4% is going to fail. So, Max, you are a $38,000 a year woman. She was shocked. What are you talking about? My husband made $250,000 a year. We can't live on $38,000. Well, if he had $250,000 a year of income, he should have no less than $5 million worth of life insurance. Now, I tell you this true story about a widow in Arizona, but I'm thinking about your listeners right now. What would happen if something happened to them on the way home? Many of them would be in the exact same situation. You need to have at least $1 million of life insurance for every 50000 of income, period. And you need to use those same numbers when you're planning for your retirement. So, look, there's challenges all over there, but they've got to save more, reduce their expenses, increase their savings, buy more life insurance, and then when they get to retirement, you've got to get guaranteed lifetime income. Right. Beautiful, Tom. I just love the way you say all this. It's just—it's so clear, and I—I I, I know our listeners are going to get this and take action. It, it, maybe if you could, like, just for the listeners, say somebody twenty, somebody thirty, somebody forty, somebody fifty. What would someone twenty right now? What should they do right now? Yeah, they should focus on saving money, um, saving fifteen at least fifteen. If they could save twenty percent, that'd be great. They need to be in a diversified portfolio, stocks, real estate, commodities. They've got time. They can weather the ups and downs in the market. They need to be disciplined that whether the market's up or down, that they deposit every single month without fail. They don't even look at the market. They just put money away, and they save. If you're in your 30s, you want to keep doing it, all right? And by now, you should be making more money, so you should be saving more. You should continue to invest fairly aggressively. You're still young, all right? In your 40s. You can continue to do what you've been doing in your 20s and 30s, but start looking at some of these deferred income products where you can start buying guaranteed lifetime income for your retirement. Also in your 40s, you want to look at long-term care. If you're in your 50s, you want to get really serious about buying income. I have guaranteed I'm in my 50s. I, I got guaranteed income that's going to start when I'm 60. I got more that's going to start when I'm 65. I got more that's going to start when I'm 70. I got more that's going to start when I'm 75. I bought life insurance to go to my kids so that my wife and I can spend our money. We've got long-term care policies, both of us, okay? When you're in your 60s, if you haven't got long-term care, you better get it now because it yeah. depends on your health. You need to get serious, serious about income. Buy as much guaranteed income as you can. Just start buying more guaranteed income. Forget about the stock market. It doesn't matter. You can have some money in stocks. That's okay, but your your retirement is all about your income. And when you're 70, you, it's all about income, and then start thinking about your legacy, you know, what do you want to have happen to your money when you die? Do you want to go to charity? Do you want to go to your kids? It's still not too late to buy life insurance in your 70s. You can buy survivorship where it's on both the husband and wife. You can still get that for pennies on the dollar. All right? And and so that's that's really how I see it generationally. Beautiful. Nice. Well, you know, we have a few more minutes, and, and I've really been enjoying talking with you. You just um, take a whole lot of complicated things and, and explain it really simple for really, really, really appreciate it. it what what would you, what, what haven't we talked about, or what would you like to, like, you know, share 
carry on the top here. Yeah, I you know I I just think it's a par- it's going to be a paradigm shift because you know what we've all been taught to save and invest and that we grow our assets and it's all about saving and building the pile bigger and bigger and how big a pile you are that that's what matters. Right. When you take a step back and you look at retirement, it's not about how big your pile is. It's what do you do with that pile of money? It's turning it into guaranteed income and taking risks off the table. Remember. You don't get to take your money with you. It's going to all stay down here. It's not your money. You're in control of the money. There's only two things you can do with your money, really. You can spend it to enjoy it on things that you want to do, or you can give it to others. That's really all you can do. You can lose it in the market. But 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 I would argue it's all about income, guaranteed lifetime income, and taking key risks off the table. And if you follow those four simple steps, and I'll give it to you again. Step one, cover your basic expenses with guaranteed lifetime income. Step number two, optimize the rest of your portfolio to protect yourself against inflation. Step number three, you must have a plan for long-term care. And step number four, the most efficient way for you to leave wealth to your children, grandchildren, and charities is with life insurance. It's not by leaving them wealth. That's inefficient. You can leave it to them with life insurance for pennies on the dollar. The other thing that I would add to all of this that will be in the public TV special is pay attention to your Social Security benefits. Choosing the right time to take your benefits can result in hundreds of thousands of dollars of extra money. Um, you know, most people, they just say, well, I don't know. I went down to Waffle House at 7 in the morning. The Waffle House wise men were sitting down there, and they told me to take it at 62, so we just took it at 62. Well, 62 is not the right answer, okay? In general, the breadwinner should delay. So if you've got a husband and wife, and if the husband made more money, the husband should wait. He should delay till 70 if he can. Now, the wife can take it at 62, but he should delay. Why? Because his Social Security benefit covers two lives, not one. So I'm going to talk more about that at the, on the public TV special, but it's been great uh, spending time with you today, Chris. Really appreciate having you, Tom, and, and we'll, let, we'll make sure to let everybody know what that special sounds great and really important for people to get what you're talking about. Tom, really, God bless you, and I appreciate everything you're doing to get this, the good words out there. Thank you, Chris. All righty. Have a great day. Found out you can't take curve at 85. My whole life flashed before my eyes I braced myself to leave this world behind As a million questions raced across my mind Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I say any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? From that moment I became a brand new me With the golden ticket to a better destiny And I told my heart there'll never come a day 
When I'd have to search inside of me and say Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day Faith, hope, and laughter Did I matter? Did, did, did I matter? I hope I can be a voice of inspiration And my story finds you well Cause when the curtain falls There ain't no second chances And you don't wanna ask yourself Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? Did I matter? Oh, oh, did I matter?